0: I think the biggest lesson that I've learned and the one that has also bought the most, I guess, uh, hardships mm. that I had to learn the lessons kind of the hard way, but is learning how to work with other people Okay. because there's only so far that you can go by yourself. Right. Um, you don't, you're not going to have all the resources, all the knowledge, like you have to work with other people you have to work with and be around not only like-minded people, but also people Who are at a point where you want to be at, right? And learn how to give value to them, and then they can give you value in return. But it's really just learning how to collaborate and to network um, because I've had it to where I've had a lot of partnerships go south. Gotcha. But I realized that partnerships is really the number one way to grow any type of business and brand. And so I think I had to learn those lessons the hard way so that I can know what to do and what not to do and how to be a good business partner and the things to look out for, because I know that that's what's going to take it to the next level.
1: Hey guys, what's good? Welcome to the Cosign Life. If you're watching this video, that means you co-sign us and we co-sign you. So here are a couple of ways to support us at Cosign Magazine. Number one, View the description below, click the link, and purchase an issue of Cosign Magazine. It's like this. This one right here. Physical. You can purchase this. Number two, you can also support us by purchasing Cosign merch. Hit the link below, and it'll take you to all our past merch items, and we'd love to have your support and see you wear Cosign Magazine. you for tuning in to another episode of Cosign Conversations. Today we're joined by Sierra Nicole. She's basically a content creator and educator. She helps people make money on social media. You want to learn how to monetize your social media account or you want to help growing your business or learn intricacies of how to grow your financial advisory and financial planning, then this is the episode you want to watch. How are you doing today, Sierra? Nicole? I'm
0: doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh,
1: thank you. Thank you. Been watching you for quite some time now. Really? Uh, love your content. What I say, what I would say is what I love about your content is it provides value, uh, education, but also you do it in a creative ways where it's fun, right? It's not so serious all the time. Like right. a lot of times you consume content. It's really strict. Like this is what you need to do X, Y, and Z, which doing a fun uh, a fun and thought provoking way. What made you want to create your content that way?
0: So I actually st- I've started making content back in very early 2019. Okay. Um, I started out on Facebook, which I know not a lot of people are on Facebook anymore, but <laughs> I started on Facebook. Um, and when the pandemic happened, TikTok started to blow up. Okay. And I actually did not even want to get on TikTok because I'm a naturally very reserved type right. of person. I don't like doing like too much, right? Um, and my husband actually had to force me to get a TikTok account, gotcha. and I got on there, and I realized that the style of content was so different than what I was used to, right? And the type of audience that I wanted to target, they don't really want to sit and watch me talk for an hour all the time, right. you know. What and so I was like, how can I get them this information? in a way that they'll be able to receive it. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. So I started making, like, doing the little TikTok trends, right. but putting educational content on top of it. And back in 2020, that wasn't really the thing to do. People were laughing. They right. were calling me crazy. They're like, no one's going to take you seriously. But yeah. um, and then it ended up really blowing up my brand and also helping a lot of people in the process. For
1: sure. So let's take a little back. Um, before... You became, you know, a content creator and helping people. What were you doing?
0: So I was actually a college dropout. Okay. Um, I have a very kind of interesting story, but I'm from Arizona. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up there my whole life, and I met my, my now husband. Okay. He was an over-the-road truck driver. Gotcha. Um, I met him while I was in college. I actually ended up dropping out of college, going out on the road with him. Oh, wow. Um, So I'm sure you can imagine my family freaking out, like, you're dropping out of school. (laughs) Um, But that was my first taste of entrepreneurship. Okay. And at that moment, I was like, I don't want anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we settled here in Dallas and actually ended up working a nine-to-five in the beginning. Um, And I just, I wasn't happy. I just knew, like, okay, this is temporary. For sure. It's temporary. And so... I remember there was a day I was I was pregnant at the time my daughter. There was a day I was probably like 8 or 9 almost 9 months pregnant. Right. I had a high risk pregnancy and I was having like contractions. I was having a panic attack. Like it was just the weirdest thing and my manager's like, "Well, you can't leave to go to the hospital until you finish your shift." Okay. And at that moment, I was like, "Yeah, that was my last day at a nine to five yeah. ever. Um, and that was back in 2018. Okay. And so since then, I've been, you know, full time just in entrepreneurship. I was helping my husband grow the trucking company. Okay. 2020, we ended up getting out of the trucking industry and going full fledged into content creation. OK,
1: well, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. So let me ask you this. Um, before you became creating the content, I'm sure, or maybe at the same time, you're learning all these valuable items about, you know, business and entrepreneurship when did you the switch go off like you know uh, let me learn this firsthand and then create content or were you creating content and at the same time you're creating content you were learning more about like business and you like
0: let me share what I'm learning as I go So I learned a lot being in the trucking industry Okay so when I was on the road learning about it, I I, w- did, I wasn't on social media, okay. but I was learning about business credit. I was learning about how to manage employees because we had several trucks. Right. I was learning all the principles of business. And I tell people, if you can run a trucking company, you can pretty much do any other business because okay. that's a hard business. Sure. Um, and so I started taking the things that I knew there, mm-hmm. putting that into social media. Yes. And then now as I've been growing our online business, mm-hmm. Anything that I learn, I pour it back into the community. Got gotcha. you. That makes sense.
1: What was like the first thing you learned and turned into a course? Or, yeah, it, yeah
0: a course. it was actually business credit and trucking.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first thing?
0: Yep. Yep. So I did a first a business credit course and then um, me and my husband together did a trucking because he was in the trucking industry for right. years. Um, and so we did that together and I realized, you know, wow, there's actually a lane where people want to learn. Right. And I love to teach. Oh, I love man. it. Um, I love seeing that light bulb go off in right. people like, wow, like this makes sense. And so um, once I realized that people actually wanted to learn how to make money or, you know, further themselves, I was like, OK, there might be actual lane for this.
1: Definitely. Would you say um, trucking and business credit was something that that led to like changing your life and let you blowing up? Or what was that one thing that you were like, wow, this thing is growing and growing my brand and my personal um, my personal profile?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a very pivotal part of it. Okay. Um, I think really that turning point was I had a TikTok go viral about business credit. Okay. Um, and I think I had I think that video still has probably like ten million views on it. And that's when everything it's almost it was almost like it was overnight. It just took off. Okay. Um and so that's when I really started focusing on the business credit. But now I'm able to expand beyond that um, because my knowledge obviously has expanded as well.
1: What do you think people are like the misconceptions of business credit? Like what do you think people are lacking about that when it comes to resources or knowledge that you're like, well, this is where you really need to start. Like what's that one thing that you see people mess up all the time off
0: Yeah. And this is going to sound kind of contradictory because (laughs) I talk a lot about business funding. um, And I I don't only teach about business credit now because there's so many other ways that I've learned how to get funding. But I tell people, I think sometimes I'll hyper focus on funding and forget that they still have to make money (laughs) in their business. (laughs) So it's like, I understand, you know, yes, we want to use other people's money. Sometimes we need the Mm -hmm. funds to start, but you don't you really don't need that to start. You have to at least start start making money in revenue. And the more money you make, the easier it'll be for you to access mm-hmm. more money.
1: Okay, so what would you say is that person, right? They're making money, they're, they're, they have a business, they're making money. And I know a lot of times when you're starting off with business credit, they want you to be like the PG, right? Personal mm-hmm. guarantor. But their personal credit really isn't good. So is there a way for them to get around that?
0: Oh, definitely. Um, and one thing that I tell people, sometimes when it comes to getting access to funding for your business, mm-hmm. it's not always about the, the business credit profile right. or the personal credit profile. There are many other ways, mm-hmm. but your business needs to be a unique business and gotcha. you can find funding. Right. But if you're starting a business that is identical to 100 other businesses, it's very difficult to find right. you know, uh, creative ways mm-hmm. to get that funded.
1: Well, I know um, this happened on accident. Um, I was making a lot of transactions on Square. Mm-hmm. And then one day, uh, you know, Square working capital yep. uh, pulled up and I was like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, Square, um, based off of the transactions, they'll allot you a certain amount of money for a loan. Um, they'll charge you just like a one-time initial fee. Then after that, they just basically repay it back through every transaction. And you could like Identify, you know, the percentage I think, or or the amount of frequency. I can't remember which one it is, but that was another option that I feel like people. Yeah. I, and I'm starting to see like a lot of companies do that, like Square,
0: Stripe, uh, and PayPal all do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. Shopify. Tell if you seen yep, that? They do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. I don't really sell a lot on Shopify, so I didn't know that. But a friend <laughs> told me that. Do you utilize any of those?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great for working capital. Right. And what I always tell people is, you know, there's different types of funding that you use for different things. But funding like that mm-hmm. is great to put into marketing. It's great right. to put into products that you know you'll get a little bit of a faster return on Right, it, right, right. You know? Makes sense.
1: So outside of that, what is, like, I guess you would say um, one thing you you push the most for people when it comes to, you know, gaining funding or capital? Is it business credit cards? Is it business loans? Or, you know, what would you say it is?
0: So it really depends on what you need, honestly, and where you're at within business. Um, number one, I always tell people the focus is, one, making sure that you have multiple streams of revenue within your business. Right. Because um, like I said, the more money that you bring in, the more you'll be able to access capital. Right. Um, and then number two is just figure out what are you going to use the money for? Because you have to have a plan. Got you. Because yeah. if you're someone who, you know, you can't manage the money that you're bringing in now, mm-hmm. you get a $100,000 loan or a line of credit, you're going to mismanage that. And now you have to pay that back. So it's coming up with a a plan of growth for your Mm -hmm. business. And then you'll be able to see, hey, you know, maybe a line of credit or a credit card would be better. Or, you know, there's vendor accounts because a lot of people think that getting funding is just, you know, a bank handing you a check. Right. But say you need supplies for your office. You can get that on a line of credit as well from people like Uline or Quill. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different options. Mm
1: -hmm. Where Would you say like your mindset changed with money or that you realized um this is something that's important. I need to learn more about'cause you know a lot of times you speak of you know being a college dropout mm-hmm. um going over the road with your you know now husband, you know at at some point, there was probably like a trigger that went off that you were like, you know I want to learn more, I need to do more not only for myself but you know for this family right. that I'm creating. What was that moment like for you?
0: um honestly, so when you're working all the time, sometimes you you get so stuck in the moment of working. And so we were working, we were doing the social media, launching the courses and, you know, making money. But then you realize, like, I'm still in the same predicament that I was a year ago making way less money because I didn't know how to manage and that's when I realized okay I need to start actually educating myself because it's one thing to know how to make money anyone can make money you know but it's another thing to actually learn how to multiply that money and to save it and to invest it and so um, really it's only been a couple years but you know we've really started to dig deep into education that is not necessarily mainstream right. education, but just figuring out the best ways to be able to use that money to multiply it. Because at the end of the day, money is just a resource. For sure.
1: I'm glad you said that. Like, it's easy to make money, but managing it, mm-hmm. right? So for someone like yourself, right, when it comes to, to managing money, is there like a specific uh, strategy that kind of stood out to you? Or is there something like that you're working on as far as management? Because you talked about having seven incomes in one industry so it's like where do you go from there and I feel like that's a lot of that's a lot of things people are messing up in their community because I have a lot of friends that have businesses or making money but it's like how are you managing it? What are you doing to make sure that you're preserving it and that it's continuing to come out? What is like one thing you're working on the most when it comes to that?
0: Yeah. So that's a really good question uh, because it's something that I know a lot of people do mm-hmm. struggle with and something that I definitely struggled with, um, especially being a younger person, right. being like, you know, 22, 23 years old and you're seeing a certain amount of money in your account and mm-hmm. you like, okay, I just need to go spend it and go spend right. it. It's like burning a hole in your pocket. For sure, yeah. um, and one thing that I realized is that when you have your business, even as whether you're a content creator, entrepreneur, business owner, having a separate business account for your business, you have your personal account, your business needs to pay you to, you know, whatever amount of money you need to live off of mm-hmm. use that. Re- the rest of the money after that needs to be, able to take care and be invested back into the business. So gotcha. early on I was making the mistake of taking too much mm. because and then I was like, well, I need to invest in my business and there's nothing left, gotcha. you know? And so you just get caught up, especially getting caught up in the lifestyle and the social media and like, I got to mm. buy all these things, but yeah. no, you have to invest most of that back into your business. So learning how to just figure out what can I live off of? Mm. And then how can I use this to further my business? Gotcha.
1: Now that makes sense. Cause I know we always talk about, you know, paying ourselves mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But it's like, you have to really allocate and understand what it takes to operate your business. and right. all uh, That because if you're just paying yourself and not putting it back to the business, you're gonna get to a point to where your business can't sustain, right. right? And I feel like that's that's where we need to like strategize, you know, more on and so forth. Um, another cool thing I seen you, you were early adopter on was, you know, like the, the Turo platform. I thought that was pretty cool. A lot of people weren't talking about it. Um, and then I know you also teach, you know, people how to make money from Truro or also, um, how to get a car in your business name. I'm pretty sure that's probably
0: one of the popular ones too, right? Yeah, so I actually don't teach Turo. Okay. I teach how to get um, your vehicle in your business name because from the trucking industry. Okay. So we learned about um, getting our trucks and then we had the work trucks and then some vehicles okay. under the trucking company. And so yeah. I started teaching that. And so obviously with Turo being so popular now, mm-hmm. um, people are using their business credit and their LLCs right. to get the vehicles to put it on Turo. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but that's a huge, a huge play that a lot of people miss out on but it's also one that a lot of people misuse gotcha. because there is so much misinformation mm. on this topic it almost just like it burns me <laughs> up inside because I just know like the IRS yeah. does not play yeah um, but there's a lot of misinformation about that but when used properly it can be extremely beneficial okay.
1: you're talking about getting a car your business I right mm-hmm. okay that makes sense. I feel like that's one thing a lot of people are trying to, you know, take advantage of, but I would say there's not even just trying to buy a car in your business name. Let's talk about like, even just trying to buy assets in your business name. Right. Is that like a lengthy process? Is that something you feel like is easily manageable or it's a lot more than people think to it?
0: It's actually probably a lot more simple than what people think, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes because it's a simple process, um, it gets misused a lot. And so you just want to make sure that like, whether it's a, any type of asset that you're using under your business, there are certain guidelines that you have to follow, right? When it comes to the IRS and taxes and things like that, and the use of it. Um, So you just want to be careful with that. And always, as I always say, consult with a CPA or a tax accountant or someone who can just guide you in the right direction because everyone's financial situation is going to be different. Um, But, Having assets within your business name is amazing because it gives you control without you necessarily having to own it yourself because your business owns it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
1: Nah, that makes sense. Um, So we're doing like this financial literacy program with Frost Bank, right? Mm -hmm. And they're talking about um, not only just like lending, but they're also trying to figure out like legacy planning, right? Mm -hmm. So when you start a business, legacy planning goes into, okay, when you're going into it, are you going to into it to be a business that you own and operate for life? Or are you going to a business that you plan on exiting in, you know, a few years, whether it's two, three, five or ten? When you started your online business, was it like a legacy long term play or is it something that you feel like one day you just want to package and get ready to sell?
0: So I've always had the mindset of packaging and okay. getting ready to sell. Um, because I feel like especially within our community, we are very we we think a lot about, you know, passing things on to the next generation, but right. sometimes we don't realize that the business that we're building it's so heavily dependent on us that yeah. you can't even you can't pass that <laughs> down. You're <laughs> right, just passing right. down another job right. where they have to fill in your spot. Mm. Um, and so our mindset has always been to build a brand that can be sold. Okay. Um, and which is why We've expanded um, and we're doing a lot of other things outside of just like my personal, you know, Sierra Nicole brand. Right. Um, but we're doing some other things in order to have something to wear. Because eventually, like, I don't want to work forever, you right. know? Cool. You know, I don't want to work forever. <laughs> and so that's definitely my goal is to be able to package that and sell it to, you know, mm-hmm. a hedge fund or investor right. or someone who wants to take it on.
1: Is that something you can expand on or are you still in the progress of like things you're working on outside of your personal Sierra Nicole brand?
0: Yeah. So right now we're actually um, launching a venture capital firm um, to invest money into creators and entrepreneurs that their businesses are based on the digital social media space. Um, And so that's what we're working on right now. So Mm -hmm. that because obviously I know the importance of funding, I talk about funding all the time. um, But I realized that I feel like this space is still so new right. with social media and being a digital creator and being a digital entrepreneur. Um, and there's not a lot of resources and funding for, you know, people like us.
1: Mm, that makes sense. So with, with, with everything you're doing, would you say it's, it's takes a majority of your time creating this content to, to package for people to consume. So let's say right now you spend, how many, how many hours a week do you think you spend on, you know, creating content?
0: So now it's significantly less than it was. So, but in the beginning, I was in front of the camera every single day, Mm. every day, no days off. Um, But you have to build that consistency in that, you know, you have to build trust within a community. So if you're someone who's like shows up, Every couple months, okay. not you're not very trustworthy and not very interested. Right. But if you're showing up every single day, then you build that community and that tribe. And, and also, I have so much content that I can repurpose content mm. from a year ago. and post it now. And so now I spend, you know, a couple hours per week making new content and the rest is typically, you know, something that has been repurposed. But it's like a compounding effect I always tell people. So in the beginning, you really do have to put in that groundwork, but it will get easier as you go. Mm, Mm -hmm. For
1: sure. And do you think content creators, even whether they're trying to go in, doesn't matter the industry, but content creation doesn't have to be, you know, as far as like education or finances, could be anything. Like, do you feel like they should be investing heavily on social media or do you think they should have their own platform as well?
0: So that's a good question. And it really just depends on what your overall goals are. Um, I know that, you know, we talk about ownership and owning your own, own platform, right. but you also need to go where the people are. You know, it's very challenging to migrate millions of people onto a platform that they know nothing about. They're comfortable on Instagram, TikTok, yeah. you know, YouTube. That's where they're comfortable. And so if you can use those platforms to then, you know, maybe migrate some people over. But one thing I always say is at least if you don't have your own platform, at least collect data, right? emails, phone numbers, names, so that you can always be in contact with them. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what you're looking to do in the long term, you know, having your own platform may be beneficial because you can do memberships, you can do, you know, monthly subscriptions and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Got you. And at this point, I know you, um, you, you do lives. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel... I'm gonna tell you this, like, I'm like a laid back person, right? So I know you talked about being reserved. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's hard for me just like get in front of a camera and just talk. That's something you had to build up to or like once you had the community was like, they need it. I'll just deal with my personal, yeah. <laughs> personal ways about it later. Like, how did you feel about like going live and you know, having that type of interaction?
0: Yeah, it was challenging at first, definitely. Like my first live videos, I, you can see the sweat like beating <laughs> down my face. It was so bad. It was yeah. so bad. Um, but I knew that I had to do it in order to get out of my comfort zone. And it's gonna. This is gonna sound like really weird, but it's almost like it's almost like a character, but it's still you. If that makes sense. So it's like you're an actor, but. I don't but it's not fake. I don't right, know right. how to explain that correctly, no. but
1: it's like you have to like it's like a different part. You have to turn on.
0: Exactly. It's mm. like a switch, right. you know, and so because your energy, it comes through the camera. Right. And so you have to be a little bit more over the top than you would be normally, you know, but it's like that switch is like you're an actor. Like you have to you have to bring the energy so that they can receive it.
1: Mm. Nah, mm. I, I makes sense. Yeah. Uh, And I would like when I talk to content credit, I would like to talk about like that one piece of content where like they realize. You said you had like a viral Mm -hmm. one on TikTok. Um, Outside of that one, or it could be that one, but I know you said things changed after that one. But like, what was like that one piece of content where you realize, okay, I'm in the right direction. Let me just like double down on this. Was it that TikTok? one? It was. It was. Yep,
0: it was that one that went viral. Um, and it's so funny because it was like me of doing like a TikTok dance on my balcony and I put like business credit information on yeah. top of it. Um, but that's when I because I was I, but before that I was doing content for like a year and a half yeah. before something finally hit, you know, so it wasn't overnight, even though it felt like that. I just right. remember waking up. I'm like a million views, what, like in a day, you know, but it took a lot of time to build that yeah. up. But then I realized, okay, this is what people want to hear. This is what they want to see. So then that's when I really started going heavy with the business credit information. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, when I had other videos go viral, um, talking about like social media and just the mm-hmm. business aspect of it. And then I realized, okay, maybe this is what they want to hear now. And so I would kind of shift depending on what my audience wanted to hear.
1: Got you. And how do you feel like about, so like when you're educating, how do you feel about like, the content being so different because um, you know like right now we we learn a lot about financial education through content YouTube right, right. social media uh, content creators influencers etc um, opposed to like you know you know advisors and you know banking institutions but now banking institutions are starting to realize that it's starting to partner so like do you feel like it's something to where, I don't know, bank institutions are outdated or maybe they, they're they not translating it as relatable as we are? Or where do you feel like the disconnect is and where can they merge in the middle?
0: So I think that there is definitely a disconnect. Um, I, I don't want to say between generations, but kind of, you know, because a lot of times these larger companies and banks that are ran by a little bit older generations than us. Yeah. And so they aren't, in the social media space in real time. So they don't always see the value of it. Whether like, you know, millennials, Gen Z, they were in it all day, you know? And so we can see the value. And so being able to merge that through content creation, which is a great opportunity for people who love to be in front of the camera, Mm -hmm. because companies who don't understand social media, they're paying content creators so that they can do that work for them. Right. And um, creating sponsored content or UGC content where you're getting paid just to make content that goes on their social media platform. So that's where they're able to bridge that gap.
1: Mm, Now that makes sense. So do you think, um, so basically like the information is kind of sense. What I mean by like, let's say if you know, you're talking about, you know, business lending and a bank it's also talking about business landing. I feel like they say it in a different way that mm-hmm. maybe might be harder for people yeah. to digest. Yep. Um, how do you feel like, I guess, they can, you know, better translate the information? Because yeah. I don't know why I feel so like different, like speaking with somebody at the bank about that mm-hmm. stuff, but then when you can learn it so easily online.
0: Yeah, and that's typically because when you're talking to a professional, someone at a bank, but, they're usually talking at a level that's up here, right? right, right? right. And so naturally it's, when we're looking at something on social media, if it feels like it's an ad, it feels like it's a commercial. True. If it feels too corporate and structured, mm-hmm. there well, we put a block like, no, I don't want to receive this, you mm-hmm. know. And so, when it's coming from someone that's a little bit more laid back, it's almost like you're talking to a friend or sure. listening to a friend talk. Mm-hmm. A person's going to be able to receive that better. And so that's why there's such a difference between, you know, you can hear someone saying the same thing, but they're saying it in a more casual way versus at a level that's more up here. And so I think corporate companies, if they could bring their language to a more casual language to where you're still educating, you're still being professional, Mm -hmm. but you're doing it in a way where the average person is going to be able to understand. Um, One thing that I teach my students, and they're always surprised by this every time I say it the average reading level in the United States is fifth grade. Mm. And so when you're doing videos and when you're educating, if you're talking at a, uh, you know, a 12th grade level, majority of America is going to be like, eh, I don't, you know, too right. many big words, right. you know, but if it's something that is just at a very basic, simple level, everybody can receive it.
1: Mm. Now nah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, cause it's like, I said, it's definitely easy to digest and you could understand it a lot more right. simpler online. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we touched on this, but what would you say your number one you know, course is right now?
0: Um, honestly, number one, it's kind of a tie, but business funding and um, how to get a vehicle in your business name. And it's funny because I, I was trying to get away from that because I love marketing and social media. So I was trying to dive more deep into that, but people just love... Funding, and so I kind of bring them in with the funding to teach them. Hey, you gotta, you know, right, right, make right. money, and so like, you know, <laughs> to get the rest of the education.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the let's talk about the cars for a little bit, right? Yes. I feel like that's one thing people, you yeah. know, it's I hate to say, it, but we're kind of like in a vanity era, right? Yes, people want to be seen. They want to be seen with the cars. They want to flex on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? So, talk about that through that process. I know you have a course, but talk about that that process, right? Mm-hmm. So, is that something? what stage of business? How long do they be in business to even start thinking about buying a car in their business name? Like they just can't start it. I'm pretty sure they can't start a business tomorrow. I mean, (laughs) yeah, tomorrow. And then the next day, like, hey, I'm ready to get a car. Right,
0: right. It has to make sense. And I see all the time people putting on Instagram like, hey, come get a a free G-Wagon in your business name. Like, (laughs) that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And it has to make sense with your business, right? So if your business is making hundred thousand dollars a year okay. and you go and buy a hundred thousand dollar car in your business the irs is going to be like okay who's paying for this right because right? it can't be you right so it's definitely going to be some red flags so mm-hmm. it needs to it it's something that you definitely need to be at a little bit of a higher level okay. within your business um but depending on also what you want to do with it because say you want to do Toro, then maybe doing it your first year makes sense but mm. you will you know make sure your personal credit is on point in order to do that. Or maybe you're a YouTuber and you want to make videos about having a certain type of car, then it would make sense. Mm. So it's all about how you use it. Um, But, you know, you definitely just want to make sure that the type of vehicle that you're getting makes sense for your business.
1: Is there any restrictions of years in business? Like, I think like sometimes you got to be in two years of business for to be eligible for something. Is that the same thing with trying to get like a a car, in your business name?
0: So it depends on what lender gotcha. you're going through. Um, so if you're going to be able to, if you're going to use your personal credit as a personal guarantor, which if you don't know what that is, is basically like you're co-signing for your business with right. your personal credit. You can be at any stage in business. Okay. But if you're someone who is not wanting to rely so heavily on your personal credit, then you'll definitely want to be in business for, you know, some time, maybe two or three years before any lender is really going to look at you. Got gotcha. you.
1: I heard like Mercedes is like one of the best ones to go to is why, why is Mercedes so good when it comes to their program, I guess, of you know, business or corporate financing.
0: Yeah. So they're one of them, but it's typically uh, companies that are used to doing these type of transactions. Okay. So there are some dealerships that you'll go to and it's like, You'll walk in and they'll be like, what's a corporate lease or what's a corporate you know, contract? They don't know because they're not used to dealing with that. And so Mercedes, they have a ton of commercial vehicles. So gotcha. they're used to doing those types of transactions. Or Ford is another amazing one. Okay. Um, Tesla has an amazing program as well. Okay. So it's just going to people that, you know, companies that are used to doing those transactions often. Gotcha.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. There's something I want to ask you. So I... Um I was talking to James, who does our production, about this, and I'm actually thinking about getting, you know, a new vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I want, and we were going over buying and leasing. Mm-hmm. In the past, I've always, in the past, I don't know why, but there's always like a negative connotation when it came to leasing because yep. it's like you're not owning, you're paying for something, you gotta, you know, um, give back. But I saw one of your videos where you actually profited from a lease. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you talk to us about that? Because I I feel like a lot of times in our community, I'm going to say our community because there's different variations, but a lot of times some people were were brought up to like buy your cars that way. You know, if you needed to sell them, you could. So kind of talk us about how you profit from your lease and like the benefits of, you know, leasing if if you're in business, opposed to like buying your car.
0: Yeah. So with there is definitely a negative connotation around leasing for sure. Um, And that's because a lot of people are not very educated on what a lease really is. Cause there's different types of leases and things like that. And so a lot of people are also stuck on a mindset of, Oh, I have to own this vehicle, right? Like I have to own, it It needs to be right. mine. Right. But if you look it up, most people don't keep the same car for more than three to five years, right. you know? And so you're not going to own that car, even if you finance it most, you know, most of the time. Um, but leasing has a lot of great benefits because when it is in your business name, that lease payment can now be written off, Okay. on your taxes, okay. because it's almost like you're renting it right. versus it being a loan. Like You can't write off loan payments okay. under your business. You can only write off the interest and then the, the depreciation, which you won't get into all that. But okay. <laughs> um, that's why leasing can be so beneficial in your business name. Okay. Now, financing can be beneficial as well because of the fact that you can you know write off the depreciation um, of the vehicle. But- it depends also on what you want to do with the vehicle. Okay. So we've I've leased and i financed under my business name. Okay. So a car like the Mercedes that we had, right. we leased it because I knew I don't want to keep this car long term. Sure. Uh, we were able to get the tax benefits of riding right. that off. And then uh, when there was like the shortage with the uh, mm. car industry, which I don't think is the same right now. So right. this same strategy may not work the way that it did. Um, but luckily, we did it when we did. Okay. And so at the time, we had four vehicles for You know, just, you know, like I said, not knowing how to manage money. Right. Right. And so we were just doing the most. (laughs) And so I was like, let's see if they'll take the car. Right. So we took it to Mercedes and they were so desperate for used vehicles Mm. That they were willing to write us a check. But one thing that you want to do, if you are looking to return a car, like a, a, a leased vehicle, don't tell them that you're trying to give it back to them yet. Just ask to see what the value is of the car. Okay. And so we realized, OK, the value is more than what we would have to pay in order to turn it in. Mm. And so the di- if there's a difference between how much they're willing to pay and how much all the fees and everything that you owe, you know, is, you'll be able to get that difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's how we were able to get a profit on turning in our Mercedes. And we turned it in almost like a, um, almost a year early. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha.
1: I know one thing about leases, why people all say negative is like the the mileage, right? Yeah. Like having like, if you go over a certain amount, you had to pay for that. So that could be like an additional cost. Um, I think there was one time, it wasn't even, it was like a lease to own, but there was a program. Basically it was like, um, I kept it for three years and then I had the option. Of mm-hmm. Keeping it and buying it, yep. or I could turn it in. So that's one thing I did when I was one of my cars. But in my head, when I got it, I always knew intentionally I was going in to buy it because mm-hmm. that's all I knew, right? Right. But now I'm more open to you know to, to leasing because I live downtown. I don't really go far. I just need right. like a vehicle to get me around. Or even thinking about like we talked about too earlier, like I don't drive much, so maybe getting a vehicle that I could put on tour as like mm-hmm. another business opportunity or something like that.
0: So yeah, leasing like, is gr- leasing. It has a lot of a lot more options than what people realize, you know, and a lot of people are worried about the miles, but they do have, you can typically negotiate packages where you can get a little bit of a higher mileage. And a lot of people don't drive as much as they, they think they're going to drive like 30,000 miles right, a right, year, right. which you probably, you probably aren't mm-hmm. usually. Right. Um, but the mileage, at least in my experience, you know, wasn't too bad, mm-hmm. especially if there are options to turn a car in early, because you can always negotiate that, gotcha. you know, to be able to turn it in before the miles get too bad.
1: I think my other point was like, so are there any benefits? Because some leases, I you got to pay up front, or like, like a down payment, right? So like, in my in my thought process, I'm like, why would I pay a down payment on something that I'm not keeping? Right? That's just money given away. It's not like renting it every month. It's like if I put five thousand down, like I guess that goes towards your payment to lower it. But it's like I'm not getting that five thousand back. That's just me giving that out. Is that is that always a thing, a factor in or like? Do you, can you get it sometime without even having to put you know a deposit down?
0: Yeah, you can definitely get a lease without putting a deposit. When we got our Mercedes and our RAM truck, we didn't put any down oh. payment at all. Um, but when we got our other vehicles, we did put a down payment. Mm. And so one thing that I learned going through the, the just the process of uh, buying or leasing a vehicle is that there's different tiers mm. that the banks will look at. And so if the only car that you've had was a $30,000 car and now you want, let's say, an $80,000 car, Mm -hmm. they may not be willing to jump up that high and cover you completely. So they're going to say, hey, I'll give you 60, but the rest you have to do a down payment. Okay. Right. And so if you work your way up to tiers, so say, OK, this year I had a thirty thousand dollar car in three years. Maybe I'll move up to 50. They may be a, they may be willing to cover that entire amount. And then you move up to tiers. Okay. So that's a way also to where you're not having to put so much down. But there are ways to definitely. And also with our truck, the, the dealership, in order to get the deal done, they put a down payment. They put three grand down oh, wow. out of their portion. So there's different things that you can negotiate. It's just going into the dealership. Educated, Got because you. you know, sells the salesman in there. They're just trying to get a deal yeah, done, yeah, you yeah. know. And so when you you go in there, they're oftentimes will take advantage of you if you, mm-hmm. they know you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: I hear I hear that a lot. I even have a friend that's a car salesman, and I'm even though it's my friend, I'm still hesitant. I'm like, man, there's something you're not telling yeah. me. So I'm like, man, before I come get a car from you, bro, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do thoroughly my own yeah. research, and that way, you know, at least I'm walking in there, you know, fully knowing of what can happen, what can transpire. Or, you know, what I need to be looking at. So mm-hmm. that's a great, great point. I always do your research because, you know, a lot of times it is a business. So yes. they're looking in it to make as much money as possible per transaction. Mm-hmm. Even if there's a deal, there's still a way for them, you know, yep. to make money. Um, before we get out, I will say a couple more things. What is like the most valuable lesson you've learned throughout this whole process? of Your whole journey of, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, teaching, teaching, Uh, Learning more about business, finances, um, you know, getting ready to launch your own venture capital company. Like what's 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 been your, you know, overall?
0: I think the biggest lesson that I've learned and the one that has also bought the most, I guess, uh, hardships Mm. that I had to learn the lessons kind of the hard way, Mm. but is learning how to work with other people okay, because there's only so far that you can go by yourself right um you don't you're not going to have all the resources all the knowledge like you have to work with other people you have to work with and be around not only like-minded people but also people who are at a point where you want to be at right right? and learn how to give value to them Mm And then they can give you value in return. But it's really just learning how to collaborate and to network mm-hmm. um, because I've had it to where I've had a lot of partnerships go south. Gotcha. But I realized that partnerships is really the number one way to grow any type of business and brand. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had to learn those lessons the hard way so that I can know what to do and what not to do and how mm-hmm. to be a good business partner and the things to look out for. Because I know that that's what's going to take it to the next level.
1: Thanks. I was telling somebody earlier today, like any business I do moving forward. We'll only do only be partnerships. Like I'm no longer doing any, you know, what I'm saying individual companies mm, right. on my own because that way I can share responsibilities, knowledge, and resources. Exactly. Right? And we're going in this together, and it's not just something you know I would have to fully be a part of. So definitely, there's, there's power in collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, power of partnerships. Um, before we get out of here, I just want you to tell our audience community, you know, one motivational piece of advice. It could be you know something that you had to deal with or something for somebody just to. You know, be prone to want to educate themselves more and become more, you know, financial savvy or just start being a content creator. What would you tell them?
0: So one thing that I always tell people is that there was somebody who was in your exact situation and position and they won with it. So don't think that your current circumstances is what's going to dictate your future, is really what you do with those circumstances. So no matter where you're at right now there's always a way out and there's always a way up. You just have to be willing to make some sacrifices and educate yourself and work with people and kind of get out your comfort zone because nothing great ever happens, you know, within your comfort zone. And I'm really a testament to that because like I said, I was always a shy person, very reserved, didn't really like to talk to people. I grew up like the kid that was always made fun of. And so I just didn't like to put myself out there. But as soon as I stepped out and got out of my comfort zone, Everything changed. So it's just getting out your comfort zone and willing to do the things that other people are not willing to do.
1: You heard it here. She got out her comfort zone and it changed her life. So if there's anything we can give y'all, please just get out your comfort zone, expand your knowledge, expand your resources, your relationships, um, your networking, and just you know get out there and do it. Um, thank you for being on our platform.
0: Thank you for having me. For
1: sure. And this is the Coastline Conversations podcast. Please enjoy your day and continue to Coastline life. We're out. Hey, guys. What's good? Thanks for supporting Coastline Magazine by watching this video. If you really enjoyed this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share.